It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. And welcome in to this Timberwolves Lifestyle Podcast here. Kyle and Phil, as we grind our way through the NBA <laughs> offseason. Uh, but there's no shortage of fodder this week. Thanks to our friend from the Athletic, John Krasinski, for helping to fuel a couple of these topics we're going to get into. But uh, how are we doing here? We're, I mean, we're not that far away. We're in September here. We're actually not that far away from training camp where we get to watch this collection, including Rudy Gobert, get together for the first time, baby. Yeah, right. Uh, September 1st. So we're kind of getting closer and closer. Football in the Twins will take us through. But I think, like I said last week, media day, end of the month, which is always like kind of the kicking off of training camp. And then um, October 4th, their first preseason game, I believe, against the Miami Heat. So it's still a little bit away. We still got to dig for some content, but all of a sudden it's going to be here and it's going to be, as we've talked about all summer, probably the most hyped season in almost 20 years. Yes. And uh, we just want the Timberwolves to win 50 games for the first time in 18 years. 50 is nifty, at least according to us on Flagrant Howls here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you haven't already, if you guys could click subscribe on the Score North YouTube channel where we deliver the video version of these episodes every week. And also, if you consume on either Apple or Spotify, you can help us spread the word about Flagrant Howls and this Timberwolves fan community that uh, we're happy to be a part of by just giving us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple and or Spotify. You can always find this in audio form on the Flagrant Howls podcast feed or the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. We put it in a few different places. Let's start with, there was a feature written by Johnny K in The Athletic a few days back. And uh, it centers around the premise that Anthony Edwards has been diligently, once again, working his arse off this <laughs> offseason, going into year three. And uh, I'll read you a couple little excerpts here, and then we can react. We'll also get to the A-Rod story in the New York <laughs> Post and some counter-reporting on that, some interesting stuff in there. But, um, but the article on The Athletic about Anthony Edwards is, Anthony Edwards is raising his level this summer just as the Timberwolves have been as well and it's all about whether he'll make a leap going into year three as a lot of the other star wing players you see around the league the last 20 years I mean Dwayne Wade big jump in year three Uh, and I'll give you some of those stats later on Uh, Kevin Durant big jump in year three and he was Kevin Durant actually and I'm not saying they're similar players or bodies or anything but you know Durant was 19 when he came in the league Ant was 19 when he came in the league And so here is one of the interesting excerpts here. More important in the quest to sift through what is real and what is theatric when it comes to some of the social media videos that are put out there, you know, looking at Anthony Edwards behind the scenes. 
is to listen to what's being said as much as you watch what's being presented. And behind the scenes, both in Minnesota and in his hometown of Atlanta, the whispers are growing louder that Anthony Edwards is positioning himself to make the third-year leap that everyone so badly wants to see of him. Those who have seen him up close and personal watched him go through workouts designed to grow his game from unbridled to undeniable, just shake their heads and almost chuckle sheepishly when asked about how he's looking. Quote, just wait till you see him, they invariably say. What do you think about the chances, everything you're kind of seeing, reading, hearing, that Anthony Edwards could make, and he's already a good player, but could make a sustainable jump to become closer to like the 90th percentile of whatever is possible for him? I think the best way I would put it is that after his performance in the playoffs against the Grizzlies, end of year two, um, my thought, my hope was that he would take a a year three leap. Um, This was also kind of a big summer for him because we've talked, I've talked about this before with Dane Moore, but like he was drafted in 2020, which was like the weirdest COVID draft year. You know, that was the heart of COVID. So he didn't have summer league. He didn't have really a training camp or any of that stuff. Then 2021 was still pretty focused on COVID. So he didn't get to do a lot of that stuff. So this was like for him and every other NBA player, their first normal off season in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, back in April, May, the hope was that Ant would take a year three leap. And now I would say safely, like the expectation is that he takes a year three leap. Like uh, the, the, the common theme for me throughout this pod and as we move forward is like, no interest in being a reporter, but the more you do this, the more people you start to talk to swap texts, swap DMS. And I've talked to a guy who like has been in that gym and is addicted now to the gym. And he's only, you know, he just turned 21 in August. I don't think he maybe had that desire when he was like in Georgia. I mean, again, you're a kid, right? You just, you don't really know how hard you have to work early on in your career, but it sounds like he has been in the gym, you know, essentially nine days a week. Mm -hmm. And he, I mean, he, he does have kind of a social media team now that's posting some videos, but I also think it's kind of cool that like I, I tweeted one out the other day and it's posting videos of like him missing shots. Yeah. Like it's not just all wonderfully edited to show him hitting, you know, shots from the moon. It's like, he's oh, posting the work. Yes, exactly. He's, you know, and you know, you can also take that with a grain of salt because, you know, there's a lot of guys that are working out without posting their videos, but this is kind of the new era we're in, in 2022. So yeah, I, you know, I, I went from being like, I think this could happen to talking to people. Also, just looking at the videos, look at the photos. The Wolves posted some photos yesterday. He looks, I mean, I was next to him side by side at the playoff run. He looks thicker. Like he went from like, what was a two guard, like the Dwayne Wade body, mm-hmm. the compliment. He, he looks way more like a football player now. His arms are massive. Like the dude looks a little, I mean, again, when you're 19, 20, your diets, I don't know if Ant's diet is, completely wiped of a way of Chick-fil-A, but like he also looks a little just like tighter and, and thinner. Like, you know, when he wipes his face with his shirt and lifts up his shirt, like he just looks like he is embracing like the concept that his body and his jump shot is his asset. Um, his jumper looks a little cleaner. Like it's not so much of like a, like a trebuchet, like a, like a launch. It's more of just a normal up jump shot, high release point. Um, so yeah, I, I went from being hopeful to being like, I expect this to happen. I expect this guy to, I would expect this guy to be an all-star this year. I expect him to probably not make an all NBA team. Cause that's so tight. You got to be essentially one of the six best guards in the league. Yeah. That might be year four, year five, but I think Anthony Edwards will be an all-star in year three. I got to admit, I, 
So I love Anthony Edwards, and I I think I think his ceiling is the best player in the NBA. I think if yeah. he were to reach his 99th percentile, I think he becomes the best player in the NBA or or in the in the conversation. You know, because sometimes you might say, well, this you know, if there's a if there's a Jokic that's a big man, it's tough to compare the two. But he would be in the conversation for first team All NBA on an annual basis. But I still have some post traumatic Timberwolves stress syndrome <laughs> for years and years. And that the only player, in terms of like not counting like Jimmy Butler, where you brought him over as a finished product, the only player that really became of the fullest version of himself and was good enough to lead the franchise on that level was in thirty plus years is Kevin Garnett. Yep. And they've had how many bites at the apple? You could say that Kevin Love became the best version of himself with the Timberwolves, but he, but he wasn't like a lead the franchise type player. Right. So the fact that it's only happened once in my life watching this team. And by the way, it's not like other franchises have six guys that have become Hall of Fame players besides maybe the Lakers and the Celtics. You know, there's there's a lot more franchises that are that that maybe have one every 15 years or something. Right. And so on one hand, if if I knew nothing, this is the thing. Like if I knew nothing about Timberwolves history and I was just plopped down just like an alien plopped down into today's NBA and hey, you're going to watch the Timberwolves and you're going to talk about the Timberwolves. I would say, boy, from some of the front office decisions, ownership to front office, they've done a lot of really a lot of good decisions, really aggressive trade for Rudy Gobert, and boy, Anthony Edwards is probably going to emerge as one of the best players in the NBA. Like those are all logical things and logical steps, but I also have 3 decades of just Timberwolves inertia that are are hovering over all of this. So, um I'm I'm not going to say I'm skeptical, but I guess I'm I'm just a little traumatized by Timberwolves history and that I do maybe you can talk me off of this. I do still worry that he's not going to reach his full potential. And this year I think what I'm nervous about is this year is going to say a lot about where he winds up going trajectory-wise. That if he's just kind of the same player he was in year 2, he's a good player, especially if he's more like the the playoff version. Uh so I'm just a, I guess I'm a little bit worried that He's he's gonna let us down in some way and not and not become the the top top player that we know that he can be. So whenever I'm back in Minneapolis, I, me and my couple of my buddies, we always have to hit up Canterbury. Um, and <laughs> I've had a lot of bad beats. Uh, and it doesn't, you know, I don't want to let those bad beats at a you know a two ten hold'em game prevent me from going back and playing again because I love to play. Yeah. So anyone who still has that scar tissue of being a Timberwolves fan. Like you said, 30 years, like that makes sense. But, you know, like if you missed out on a lot of investments as a kid or an early teen or you know, early college or whatever, you don't want to not invest because you've been burned so many times by bad investments. And that's the thing with Ant. I mean, this Ant thing, again, it goes back to like when I say about ownership, like I am waiting for ownership to stub their toe. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But with Ant, it's like we're two years into this and everything about him, even his mistakes like that rookie year when he had that boneheaded mistake and Ricky like kind of came and put his arm around him and stuff. Even Ant's mistakes seem like legit. Like they seem like, oh, he's going to build off this. I think somewhere in John's story, it talked about how like uh, you can't eat whatever you want. You can't sleep a couple hours a night. You have to be disciplined in your approach, both on and off the court. He's taking huge strides. He's 21. So to your point, I, I respect that because once you go from hope to expectations, hope you don't really get let down as much when you expect him, like I said, to be an all-star and he doesn't do that. Then to your point, you're like, oh, he didn't hit his level. 
Um, I just don't want, and I, I always say this to fans, I don't want Ant to be 26 and we have regrets that we didn't just fully embrace 21-year-old Ant because of Wes Johnson or David Kahn or Jimmy <laughs> Butler. You know what I mean? Like, I don't damn Wes Johnson, the, yeah, the scar tissue of Wes Johnson and Derek I don't Williams. I want to have regrets of that because, <laughs> I, again, I do think, and you, there's, again, you got to step up on the ledge, but this one just does feel different. I didn't feel this way, and I can like, you didn't feel this way about Wiggins because he wasn't even drafted by you. He was traded in the Kevin Love stuff, and you knew you were going to be bad. You didn't feel this way about Carl. Carl was a great player, but you didn't feel like that like seismic shift of not just a city or a, like a franchise, but like a state, uh, you know, a whole area of the country. So I'm still a believer, but again, if you listen to this and you're a Wolves fan and you've had your membership card for X amount of years, you know that most of the time you've been let down. My final thing on that is last couple of years, you know, everyone loves to say bet the under, always bet the under, always bet the under. Well, if you've been doing that, you've been losing money lately because the Wolves have been hitting their over. So that's like the ant thing. I'm not going to bet under on ant. I'm going to yeah. bet over because that seems to be where the trajectory and the momentum is going. Well, you, you, you use the phrase sort of seismic shift that it, it didn't really feel that way with Wiggins, that there was going to be a seismic shift. And, and Carl, I, I did feel a little bit of that with Towns just because yeah, he's no, that, this unicorn talented player, but yeah, but then, but the difference is, and I, th- I think this is the difference in the way that people feel about Ant, is that for you to really, maybe Kawhi Leonard is one of the rare examples, and maybe Tim Duncan, just like these Spurs cyborgs that kind of come through and they're just part of this Spurs system for 20 years. But <laughs> most players that emerge as franchise-changing, league-changing, guys that are, that are you know, leading championship-caliber teams – it's not just that they're great at basketball. It's that they are leaders. They are, they are literally yeah. conducting. This might sound crazy, but when they walk into an arena, they are conducting an arena full of 18,000 people wrapped around their finger, yep. right? Kevin Garnett had that. It's that jump on the scores table, thump your chest, make nine players wait for you before the tip-off yep. while you go do your thing. Like He controlled the entire tempo of the game in the arena. Michael Jordan... LeBron James, Kobe, Shaq, like these guys are amazing players and they had the personality, they had the arena, everything that goes into it. Carl doesn't have that type of personality. It's one of my biggest right. beefs with him is that he just he just lacks so much emotional intelligence in key spots and I hope that there's a an area for growth there. Just dude, stop stop shipwrecking games with bad offensive fouls, stop getting caught up in some of the stuff. Anthony Edwards, not that he doesn't make mistakes or get caught up in the moment because he is 19, 20, and now going to be 20, you know, just turned 21 years old. But it feels to me like he has that quality about him. Yep. He owns the arena. He, he claps back at Jimmy Butler in the yeah, heat of yep. a moment, right? No pun intended. And so I, I think you, you, you shoulder so much as a top NBA star that you have to sort of rise above that pressure and his personality to me feels more equipped to do that than Kevin Love's 10 years ago or Carl yep. Anthony Towns, certainly Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins is perfect now. It's like, God, if you could, if you could get this version of Wiggins as the fourth guy on the Timberwolves, you'd take him, right? Right. But, but he wasn't really allowed to be that in the five or six years that he was here, and his personality wasn't going to change. So, I don't know. Does that all make sense with Anthony Edwards and the personality side of it? And that's kind of... I know you had an original point, but that kind of builds on what I was saying. It just it you you can tell a Timberwolves fan this feels different, and they'll hit you with yeah, what so did this, this, and this. But to my counter to that counter is like, well, a lot of that didn't feel different though. Like you said, you 
you had a little bit of hope with Carl, but you kind of knew early on, maybe that's not his personality. I don't think this team has had a, I mean, I don't want to say alpha, but I, I don't think this team has a personality homegrown because the Butler thing was different since Kevin Garnett was drafted. Like I just don't. So 30 years ago, like that was the last time they've had someone like this that they brought in, they've developed. I mean, this there's not to go back to like the videos and the summer workouts and stuff. Like I know I'm putting a lot of emphasis on Anthony Edwards biceps, but this dude had the <laughs> Netflix document or the, um, the, the move, the hustle movie this year, he had his 21st birthday. He played more playoff or basketball games than he's ever played in his life. Um, going into the playoffs, like he totally could have mailed it in this summer and just showed up and been, and then started talking that talk and, you know, trying to have a big training camp by all accounts. He's actually like fallen in love with the gym more than ever. Um, and I think he understands the way to promote that work that, you know, those unseen hours by showing, like you said, these are misses, right? And he's talking a little smack in those videos, big, okay, I got to hit 10 more again. So he goes back to the corner, starts shooting. So Mm -hmm. I'm all in great article by John. Um, if you're skeptical, I get it, but you got to run out of skepticism sooner or later because you don't, I think this is special and I don't think you want to miss this because of the stink of all the other players who didn't meet expectations. Yeah, and I, I was curious. I did. I went to Basketball Reference, and these are just two players. There's a million other players you could probably pull here too. But I was looking for very highly touted, highly drafted wing players, and Dwayne Wade is the direct comparison. Different yeah. era, but Dwayne has made the comparison himself that this guy looks like a more modern, newer version of me. Mm-hmm. And then I I pulled Kevin Durant too because he came in. He was the number two overall pick. He was just a freakishly athletic wing player that was a little bit raw when he came out of uh, Texas and he was 19 years old. And I just wanted to see what, and it kind of a similar situation, like smaller markets, Seattle first, and then they moved to Oklahoma city. So got, got to kind of fly under the radar. And um, it's amazing when you look at really good, all these guys really good in year one showed you enough potential. Like, like KD was 20 points a game in year one. But he was high volume. He was only 43% from the field, only 29% from three-point range. So he wasn't the greatest shooter when he first came in the league. But he could grab a few rebounds, and he could pass a little bit, and you could see it all. And then year two, okay, it goes from 20 points to 25 points a game. And the field goal percentage goes from 43 to 47 and a half. And then he shoots 40% from three, and he's adding some components now. Yep, yep. And then year three, which was the first year for him as an all-star, Leads the league in scoring average. 30 points a game. 21 years old. 30 points a game. He's grabbing eight rebounds. He's now shooting... Field goal percentage is about the same, but but more shots, and he's still shooting 48%, shooting a touch under uh, you know 37% from three, but like all of it came together in year three yeah. for him. Dwayne Wade? Now, he was a little older, so he was 22 when he came in the NBA. Yeah, But, you know, first year getting used to the NBA, the flow, 16 points a game on 46% shooting. And then he goes 24 points a game in year two. Year three, 27 points a game. He becomes one of the three or four leading scorers in the entire league. And he's shooting 50% from the field, including assists and rebounds. And he was one of the better defensive wing players at the time, too. So, um you know, th- those two guys are great blueprints for an ant 19 points, 21 goes from 42% to 44%. Three point percentage goes up. Is there a logical jump from 21 to say 26 points a game, 38, 39% from three, 47% from the field, a few more rebounds here and there impacting the game, right? 
and get right. rid of some of these dud games where you go three for fourteen and, and score eight points or or twelve points. Get rid of those. Get rid of those dud games almost entirely. Uh, I can see it. I can definitely see it. Well, and the interesting part about your Durant comp, or you know, not a direct comp, but the Durant kind of comparison, the Dwayne Wade comparison. I think I've seen a lot of John ja Morant year three leap. Um, all those guys won fifty games because all those guys also had a lot of good players on their team. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not just, you know, the, like a massive rebuild, like think of a uh, Shea Gilders Alexander, where he's trying to take his leap, but he's surrounded by really nobody. Um, every year Ant's been in the league. Now he's going to have played with more talent. Um, so, which is going to help him do what you just said. Like, can he average 30? Can he be the leading scorer on the team? So uh, I think the Durant one's really good. I think the Wade is one is really the Wade one always just kills me though, just because, like you said, he entered the league at twenty two, so his rookie year will be Ant's like completion of his third year, which is just again crazy and kind of tells you just how much more. I mean, I think Wade's even said this recently on pods. Like, I mean, Wade had a Hall of Fame career, and Ant's already light years ahead of him in terms of accomplishments before Dwayne Wade even got in the league. So mm-hmm. expectations are high. Um, he does have to reach those, but. I just think that for a kid who turned 21, he had every excuse in the book to just kind of mail it in this summer. And by all accounts, um, he has fallen in love more and more with basketball, which is probably not something he loved two or three years ago. I mean, he clearly was good at basketball, but he wasn't like the grinder that he is now. And I think that's just going to continue to grow. That's uh, that. what you just said is something I'd love. I'd love to get the truth from Anthony Edwards. I don't know that he would ever be fully transparent. Maybe he would, but. You know, how true were some of those stories about your, because that was one of the concerns is that he really, he likes football better than basketball. And is he really committed? But if he's just committed to being hyper competitive and this is the realm that he is involved in now, I don't, to me, it's less about whether he loves basketball. If he, if he loves basketball enough or if he's competitive enough to love going to the gym for, you know, nine hours in the off season, then all right, then you, then you love the process. Does he love the process? And all the incentive now, I mean, these Supermax contracts that we're seeing guys, I mean, Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns have two of them. Dude, you, you can make you could make a billion dollars yeah. playing basketball in your life now. Yeah. You know, he's going to have, my God, if you think about the contracts he's going to sign over the next 10 to 12 years, if he plays into his mid-30s, there's a really good chance he makes like six or seven hundred, uh, or yeah, six or seven hundred yeah. million dollars playing basketball. So... That's right there. Like financially, there's a there's a whole financial ego tug there. Of boy, you want to you're not going to be able to do this your whole life. You got about a ten year window here. You want to get up early and eat clean and go and uh, get some extra shots up and benefit the Timberwolves. Go make it happen, man. I think Kevin Garnett made like roughly three hundred and thirty million in his career playing basketball, and he played you know a very long career. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had always had like kind of record setting deals. By the time these new TV deals come in and like Ant signs that neck, the rookie extension will will happen. But he signs that like twenty six peak of his powers extension. Um, that might be for more than three hundred thirty million dollars. <laughs> like it's, it's four year deal. So um, yeah, it's it's good to see. Uh, you got to see it translate onto the court. But um, so far so good from everything you'd want from a guy like you said that has that seismic ability to to take this franchise out of the mud. Yes. Uh, do you want to get into this A Rod story from the New York Post here? Uh, poor, well, anything poor else to stiff talk about, cocktail. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I thought, why don't you recap quick? I thought you guys did a really good job earlier this week with uh, Declan and Judd going over it. But uh, yeah, let's, it's newsworthy. So let's talk about it. Let's go through. And I, I, so, I, and I said this on Mackie and Judd when we went through it the other day, too, that 
ordinarily we don't just read articles on a podcast or on a radio show <laughs> or YouTube or whatever. It's not the most entertaining thing, but I will read some of these excerpts and then you chime in. I'll just stop at different portions and you can chime in with commentary. And I will say John Krasinski came out on his podcast and refuted a couple of the things that was that the New York Post reported, and I will sprinkle those in later as well. But uh, the article is entitled How Jennifer Lopez Breakup Jeopardizes Alex Rodriguez's $1.5 billion Timberwolves deal. And it, and it explains how the breakup with Lopez is partially to blame for A-Rod's part in this deal being in jeopardy. They were, uh, by they, I mean A-Rod and Mark Laurie, were supposed to be equal partners when they made a $250 million down payment back in July of 2021, a cash investment that, coupled with the assumption of a chunk of debt on the team, amounted to a 20% stake at the time. However, A-Rod, at the time, failed to come up with his full share, leaving Laurie to cover the balance, three sources close to the situation said. As a result, Lori now has roughly a 13% share in the Timberwolves, while A-Rod has amassed a mere 7%. Quote, Alex and Mark were supposed to be 50-50 in this venture. Alex couldn't come up with his half at the time. And so now they need to make another 20% by the end of the year, and then the third installment by the end of 2023 so that they can take over as majority owners for Glenn Taylor. Quote, from a source, I wouldn't be surprised if A-Rod becomes a subservient number two to Mark Laurie. Um, now, Laurie was, Laurie had, the Post did get, a, they tried to reach out to all the parties here. And Laurie told the Post, without confirming or denying that he owns a bigger stake, that he and A-Rod, regardless of that potential difference, uh, still make all decisions together. Quote, I couldn't imagine having a better partner. Alex is one of my best friends. There's no one else I'd rather be partners with than Alex. But here's the interesting part of this story. <laughs> Apparently, Mark Laurie, so he teamed up with A-Rod a couple years back because they were trying to buy the Mets. And at the time, A-Rod was dating Jennifer Lopez, a situation that appeared to play a role in forging his ties with Laurie, according to sources close to the situation. Quote, Mark got completely mesmerized by the J-Lo thing. A-Rod frequently called for meetings with prospective business partners at the power couple's lavish homes in Bel Air and at the Hamptons. Jennifer Lopez was typically on the premises, according to sources. Quote, you always took your A-Rod meeting with J-Lo, the source said. She's coming in and out of the room with workout clothes. A-Rod always made it seem like they were investing as a couple. And so now that, now that uh, J-Lo is out of the picture, and I'm not going to read the rest of this because it's a long article, but that... Uh, he might have trouble and is having trouble securing some of the same business partners and finances because JLo added validation and credibility to an otherwise kind of shady figure in Alex Rodriguez. Johnny Krasinski came in on his podcast and said, uh, A-Rod might be making more of a payment for this end of 2022 round to sort of even things out and that anything involving uh, the idea of J-Lo in workout clothes is uh, probably a little over the top and not believable in this reporting. He called the reporting questionable. So I don't know. What do you, what do you make of this? Do you listen? I think Mark Laurie is actually the guy that I'm the most intrigued by as an owner anyway. So like if Mark Laurie is, is the guy awesome, he he's the Mark Cuban here, I guess yep. to me yep. anyways. Yep. Yeah. And again, John Krasinski is a legend. 
and someone I look up to. So I'm not going to push back on anything he said, other than maybe refuting some of his reporting that the JLo stuff is questionable because I would love to just be in a meeting where JLo comes off the Peloton. So I think that's the only thing John might've had wrong is as someone who grew up pretty much, that was my number one crush or Christina <laughs> me, Aguilera. Me, me too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I had a chance to do a meeting where I was just going to lose a ton of money, but JLo might walk through, I would probably invest. So here's 10, here's $10 million. Uh, where's the yoga room, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. So no, but I think John hit on all that. I also too, like, again, going back to the whole not reporting, just you hear stuff. Vegas will again, just, everyone is talking about stuff. This has kind of been out there for a while um, that just, you know, um, you do see, I got to talk to Mark Laurie too in Vegas. And like, he's the guy that interests me more because I think he's the guy that like, I do know what he's doing. Jet.com, like the wonder thing. Um, A-Rod's stuff is more, you know, other than having like customized coffee mugs. Um, I don't know what, I, I know that he was probably pretty big into crypto. Uh, he might've had, some bored apes, which again, if you want to Google those, none of those are doing very well right now. Yeah. Um, and that I'm sure Glenn Taylor wasn't accepting bored apes as payment. So I don't, I think at the finish line, it's a, it's not much of a story. It does make you wonder why this came out like this week and to have, I don't know, you read a lot of articles. Like when it says three sources confirmed, someone had some agenda here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think this is going to affect the down the road of, are they going to actually sell the team? I will say, and the thing, there's so many cool details in that New York Post story. Um, the one that absolutely had me in tears was the part about Glenn Taylor essentially being like, he'd be okay if he had to, you know, put the team back on market. Um, yes. Actually, when, let, let me read that real quick. Yeah. If the if the pair fails to come up with the financing, insiders say Glenn Taylor won't be overly disappointed because he believes the value of the team has risen to about two billion. Right now, it's valued. The sale is is locked in at one point five billion, and he believes he can make more by just starting a new sales process. And then the next line is: the Timberwolves did not return calls. <laughs> so when this, the when news first broke, it was summer. I think it was twenty twenty one. That A Rod and Mark at that time it was Mark Lore. No one even knew his name. So it was really the A Rod Group buying the Timberwolves. Uh, I have a friend who works out for the Blazers, but he's a Pacific Northwest born and raised. So Seattle, like the Seahawks, the Mariners stuff. And he had texted me and I went to look this up. He had texted me. I know A-Rod was known for home runs, but that guy knows how to steal. And he said, this was a year ago that, and other people would probably say this too, that the team was sold at a complete discount. I mean, I think Doogie said that all times, but 1.5 billion was Glenn's kind of lasagna way of just like, I like these guys. They're going to keep the team here, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to give them a discount. Someone's probably gotten in Glenn's ear, like, dude, you know you could have made way more money for the team. Like, if you would have waited one more year post-COVID, got the yeah. revenues up and the, and the TV stuff up, and you're one year closer, the Wolves are worth more than $1.5 billion. That's not, like, hard economics. So, yeah, I just thought it was funny that Glenn's, like, after all the times he's balked at selling, he's like, yeah, you know, I actually wouldn't be against reselling it, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, I think Mark Laurie, again, is the safe bet here. I think if you look at how much he's worth, and then how much every owner's worth. So there's an article online. It would be like the Jack Borman showed me this. He was like the 14th richest owner in the NBA, which is, you know, pretty comfortable for being a smaller market team. So I'm not worried about this getting done. But, you know, the A-Rod stuff, back to that for a second, like there was, there was this moment where him and Mark Laurie were sitting courtside at a heat game because A-Rod's down there or whatever. And they're all sharing IG videos or whatever. And there was this kind of, 
perfectly Miami looking guy, slick back hair, who knows what businesses he's in. I remember he did like a selfie with him and A-Rod and Mark Laurie. And the guy posted a caption of like uh, sitting courtside with two of the biggest bullshitters I've ever met or something. I was just like, <laughs> hmm, okay. And then I also remember uh, if you that Haralabob Volgaris used yeah. to work for the mass. He did pull the story. I think it was on Bill Simmons podcast about, I think at one point, Alex Rodriguez, maybe prior to the wolves stuff had like come in for a day or a week to like watch practice, kind of monitor how an NBA team does stuff in a full suit and stuff. And I think Bob said that like A-Rod had this notebook and was taking notes, you know, watching practice, sitting in the boardroom, sitting in all this stuff, these meetings. And I don't know, went to the bathroom or something. And someone looked at the notebook. And it was just doodles. Oh my <laughs> like, gosh. <laughs> like, and again, that was just a secondhand story. But I mean, you know, you start to, put some of this together right and it's like story and this story and then a-rod's whole baseball career like i do think he has cleaned up his image i like him on baseball team and stuff but at the end of the day like yeah i just don't i never thought this was going to be smooth i thought the internship the ownership internship was always weird but maybe it was glenn giving them a runway to get their finances in place so it's not i mean you know yesterday's price is not today's price you're you don't know if these guys are going to actually be able to hit their thresholds, but with Laurie, I'm I'm not worried because that guy does seem to continue to print money. Um, yeah, but it was a good story. And anytime I can read about J Lo, uh, I'm a huge. I mean, she's like 47, going on 24. So she, uh, yeah, I, 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 in the late 90s, I think I think one of the movies was Jack, and then uh, there's a couple other like rom coms that yeah. young Phil Mackey definitely <laughs> definitely was was crushing. It's amazing. So, by the way, on the finances part, so A-Rod, according to this article in New York Post, might be worth $500 million, but little of it is believed to be liquid, sources said. He owns part of a real estate portfolio with a billion dollars in tens of thousands of apartment homes, including some properties in the Minneapolis area. And that's kind of it. It's like it's there's and, there's your net worth, but then there's how much liquid do you have to actually, like, move $250 million into a team, well, you know? And you you summed that up perfectly on Mackie and Judd. Like rich people are rich based on what they own, not just how much they're sitting on. So um, that's and that's probably back to John's point. Like this is probably not much of a story. These guys will get their payments, you know, Venmo at some point. But um, it does make you wonder why they came out, and there were so many sources. Like who you know who had an axe to grind this week with with A Rod. So uh, yes, interesting yes. stuff and a fantastic New York Post A one uh, headline. So, yes. Good, good and at the that. end of the day, I, I, I was my last thought on it. And then we can we can wrap for the week here on flagrant house. But um, I'm much, much, much more interested in what Mark Laurie brings to this franchise than A-Rod. I don't I mean, let's be honest. A-Rod yep. has not been a trustworthy yep. stand up guy really ever. And Mark Laurie is the builder here. I mean, Mark Laurie has built businesses. Mark Laurie has built cultures. So. A-Rod hasn't really built much of anything. There's a couple things here and there that he's involved with. Obviously, he's built up a net worth largely through playing baseball. But um, but Mark Laurie is the builder here. And A-Rod might have some connections and some ideas about you know how to operate a professional sports franchise at a top level. But if it wound up at the end of the day that this reporting is true, and hey, Mark Laurie is going to be the majority owner of the Timberwolves, and Alex is going to be involved and have some sort of executive role and a minority ownership stake, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. And I still think they're going to use A-Rod, whether he likes it or not, as like the pawn for future free agency or like 
He's going to come his in. Role. Yep. He's going to yep. come in with a baseball bat and a suit for training camp into their theater. Give those guys a rah rah speech, right? But like, and that's why I really do like Mark Lowry. I know no one really likes any owner or billionaire, but um, I think he had a lot to do with when the Rosas thing was really messy, like uncomfortably messy. Um, he was like, we have to stop this now. Like, mm-hmm. we have to get him out. Um, I think he's made a lot of the subtle changes that you might not see, you know. But like, even the little painting the the hallway entrance of the of Target Center, like to all black. I think he has a lot of say in trying to make this a more modern uh, organization. So, um, yeah, I think back to you know, our flagrant howls thing. I think this is more of a common howl. Like, I don't, I'm not worried about this being a long <laughs> deal. But uh, hey, so I know we're gonna wrap up, but can I hit you with just a initial thought? Um, breaking news. Yes, yes, please so, do. Not wolves related. Um, I know you and I were going to talk about Torian Prince, but that's going to be a nothing burger as well. Uh, I don't, I think if, if having a vape pen makes you a criminal, then I'm El Chapo, right? I'm not super worried about that. Um, Donovan Mitchell has been traded. Oh, wow. To the the Cleveland Cavaliers. What? Yes. The Cavs? Yes. Per Adrian Wojnarowski. Phil and I are recording. It is 1235 PM on Thursday, September 1st. Cleveland will send three unprotected first round picks and two pick swaps as part of the deal for, for Mitchell. No idea about wow. the salaries, no idea about players. Um, so less than Gobert. His price was less than Gobert. Less right? than Gobert. So this is Wolves relevant. For- Hot take. Gobert is a more valuable player than uh, Donovan Mitchell. He's a, he's, a better, he's a better and more valuable player than Donovan Mitchell. I agree. And the only, I guess, you know, A, that's a good point. That's a Wolves relation is that they paid more for Gobert than the Cavs did for Mitchell. And we'll see how this all breaks down. But now you have a Utah team that has no Gobert and has no Mitchell, has no Pat Beverly. Um, so that 2026 pick swap, not super worried about it. Not super worried about it. I don't, Dude, I don't think the Jazz is... are going to win uh, 40 games for the rest of the decade. But Cleveland's going to be Cleveland's going to be a, a, a team in the Eastern Conference now. Boy, the, yeah. I, I, need, I need to know what's happening with Knicks fans right now. That's, that's I need the... to like we need to probably close up shop, and I need to see like a live stream of Stephen A. Smith. And the Knicks, but uh, no. So I mean, again, that that was the final, that was the final kind of domino in many layers of Wolf stuff. Like you said, the Wolves have now paid more for Gobert than the Cavs did for Mitchell. We think um, the Jazz are going to be terrible for a while. The Jazz are a team the Wolves play in their little Northwest division. So, um, big big news in September. Um, probably much bigger than A-Rod and J-Lo, but yeah, I had to get your thoughts quick on that. Dude, I uh, I kind of love this for the Cavs. I haven't, I need to do like a deeper dive into if there's other assets that are being swapped here, but I think, again, my main takeaway here is I think Gobert is a better, more valuable player than Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is going to be viewed as better because, you know, he's a flashier wing player, yep. et cetera. You can kind of see what he does offensively more than you can see the value that Gobert brings. And um, I think it's good news for the Timberwolves that one of the teams they are chasing in the Western Conference has dismantled. Right. So and it's just it's just one fewer team in the one, you know, one less team or fewer team, whatever, in the Western Conference for you to have to climb over now that the Jazz have waved the white flag completely. It, and it looks like Shams added that the Cavs were sending Colin Sexton, who was a restricted free agent. He's meh. Uh, Laurie Marketing three firsts and two pick swaps. So okay. again, now you have, as this starts to shake out because we do this every summer and it always pisses me off. We just always assume that all 15 teams in the West are going for it. We have the Spurs who have five starters. I could not name. They're going to win 20 games or less. 
Unfortunately for OKC, they've lost Chet Holmgren for the year. And now you have the Jazz that are like, nah, dude, we're good. We'll talk to you next draft. So you're starting to see these teams one by one kind of dismantle, which again, supports the Wolves. You know, we have expectations for them now. 50 is nifty and you have one less team you have to worry about because the Jazz are going to be horrendous. The Jazz have all of the draft picks now, the next couple seasons. And it'll be interesting now to see what what Danny Ainge does with those draft picks, and and also isn't Dwayne Wade a minority owner still of the Utah Jazz? So I would imagine case. that he, uh, yeah, I would. I thought he was there for Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he's like Me his older brother. Um, but now with all the comps to Ant, D, or Wade was talking to Iguodala earlier this week about Ant. Um, if A Rod can't afford the team, maybe Dwayne Wade will just hop right in, buy his yeah. shares. I'm seeing a lot a lot of Knicks fans here. There's a lot of, like, a lot of Knicks wait. fans in the national media that are just apoplectic right now. So this is hilarious. Uh, but that's a wrap on this episode of Flagrant Howls. He's Kyle. I'm Phil. And uh, like we said, we just want the Wolves to win 50 games here. The journey starts in a few weeks. We've got some guests that we are working on for the next few weeks as well. Some special guests to, uh, to give their Wolves perspective. So we're looking <laughs> forward to that. And we'll see you guys next time on this uh, Timberwolves lifestyle show we call Flagrant Howls.